This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. The Drinkworks Home Bar by Keurig is the perfect start to set any holiday vibe. The Home Bar makes over 30 cocktails, brews, ciders, and more, all at the push of a button. From cosmopolitans to old fashions, each pod contains real ingredients and premium spirits. Insert the pod and let the Home Bar do the work. Go to drinkworks.com to order your Home Bar and see all available drinks. Drinkworks. Press play. Keurig is a registered trademark of Keurig Green Mountain, Inc., used under license. Please enjoy responsibly. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers. Is your insurance company forcing you to go back to work when your doctors say you can't? If this sounds familiar, look no further than my law firm. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hello and welcome to the Raptors weekly podcast for the week of October 29th. I'm your host, William Lou. I almost thought this was the Pound the Rock podcast, but uh, that's only because I'm speaking to my Pound the Rock podcast. Podcast co-host Jessica Sharma. What's going on? I also was going to say you got the name <laughs> wrong when you called this the Weekly Raps podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, man. I mean, look, the Raptors are perfect. That's what we're here to talk about. The Raptors are perfect, six and zero. You know, they're about to play the Milwaukee Bucks uh, on Monday. Let's start there. Actually, um, usually we leave the uh, you know the week look ahead um, for later in the podcast, but. Uh, the most topical thing out of Monday was the surprise an- announcement that Kawhi Leonard is actually not in Milwaukee. He's not going to play in that game. He's getting rested for the first half of a back-to-back. I thought this was a bit strange just because the Raptors have uh, six days uh, in which they play two games, right? They last played last Friday, and they don't play again um, after this back-to-back until Friday uh, the following week. So, I mean... Do you are you okay with them resting Kawhi Leonard for this game? I am because they're six and zero. Okay, uh, you know, like if if they were like three and three, even four and two, um, and like just kind of very average ish, I think you look at it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd also you know guess that the Raptors probably had a good idea that Giannis wasn't going to play, which he's not. He's in the concussion protocol, um, and I'm thinking that probably altered their way of thinking because OG and Anobi's also out. Fred mm-hmm. VanVleet's questionable. Normally, you know, as you were saying, it'd be surprising with those guys already down to also rest Kawhi in a pretty tough game on the road in Milwaukee. Right. You'd think, okay, run Kawhi out there in Milwaukee, try to beat them, and then if you need to rest them the next day against Philly at home, that's a more winnable game. It's crazy as to say that Philly's a more winnable game than Milwaukee at this point of the year, but I think it is, especially at home. Um, but I think Giannis being out really does change the equation. Uh, I think they saw it as this is now a gettable game even without Kawhi. Yeah, for sure. I think it, it, some of the disappointment came from like um, the two teams kind of taking the piss out of the game just because it's a really anticipated game. Usually, Raptors Bucks is generally speaking a pretty fun game. Like last year, the Raptors played some memorable games against the Bucks, including that one that uh, they should have won uh, when when JV dunked at the basket. Also, Demar's fifty-two point game was like or fifty-three, whatever it was. Was it yeah, against Milwaukee? Exactly right. So 
Um, usually it's a really fun game, but I mean, obviously this year it's like, you know, according to Elias, like the first time two teams six and zero played each other. Um, the one thing with Kawhi, though, I think that was confusing was because on Sunday, Nick Nurse spoke uh, after practice and he and he said. You know, there's no plan. I mean, we're we're gonna play him. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna play him both ends of the back to back, and it made sense. Really, it, it didn't really make the news because, again, there was just so much time in between. Like the Raptors had so much rest going into the game, it didn't really um, seem like too much of an issue. But um, I I just think that it would probably be best if the Raptors could make clear that going forward on back to backs, we want to ease Kawhi in slowly, and so. It'll have they'll have to evaluate on a game like a, on a case by case basis because so far what Nick Nurse has just said is just like, you know, he's gonna play all the games, which is clearly not the case. I mean, um, based on their usage so far of of Kawhi, like he's getting rested, but he's also playing heavy minutes in the game. Is that strange? I don't think it's that strange. I think the way they're looking at it is like when they have Kawhi available and on the court, they're gonna milk for him for what he's got right and, yeah. and they're gonna he's gonna have a high usage rate and like play a lot of minutes so they're not only playing a lot of minutes but they're like heavy workload minutes right especially when you consider his two-way workload right um so i think i think it does make sense that when they have them they're gonna get everything they can out of them and then they're just gonna make sure that you know they throw in these rest days here and there or um I think, too, it's like a short travel situation, right? So, like, it was the same thing when they went to D.C. It's a, it was like they play a few home games, short travel, and come back. And they probably figure, like, save him the flight um, while he maybe isn't 100% yet. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, if they were going away for, like, a two-game road or a three-game or soon to be four, obviously he's going to be there. I think, I think it's just like a combination of a lot of things. Save some miles on his body. Save some, save some um, miles in the air on yeah. his body. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. He, the last time he played on the road was preseason. That was against Mon- in Montreal against the Nets. That was on October 10th. So they flew back that night. And then uh, he didn't play the next game against the Pelicans. That was on the road. A lot of pl- players didn't play that game. They still won the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he rested that Wizards game and he rested this uh, this upcoming Bucks game. I mean, when you take into account the fact that the Raptors will probably travel probably next Thursday, you would think, uh, or on Thursday, sorry, before their game on Friday against the Suns, He's going to have been at home in Toronto for 22 straight days. Yeah, and out of the if you incl- he played 3 of the 5 preseason games. Yeah. Um and then he'll he's played 5 regular. So he's played 8 games total so far as a Raptor and I believe 6 of them have been in Canada. Yeah. So he's played one game outside go. of Canada so far and he was in Utah in the preseason. I hope he takes this time to like, you know, appreciate uh, Canada in the fall. It's very beautiful. Yeah, you know, go beautiful. out and see the leaves, go to Muskoka or something. Take a drive down the D V P and see the the uh, leaves changing over the Don Valley. If that doesn't convince you to <laughs> stay in Toronto long term, I don't know what will. Yeah, you're gonna be stuck in the D V P so long the leaves will turn colors. Um Yeah, I mean, are you at all concerned that maybe this is sort of establishing a precedent where Kawhi is sort of above the rest of the team. I think realistically, if we're going to, if any player had to be realistic about the situation, I'll be like, yeah, Kawhi obviously is the most important guy this year, but do you feel like it kind of um, helps exacerbate that separation? I really don't. Again, I think, I know it's a very simplistic answer, but I really think it does come down to the fact that they're like a perfect, mm-hmm. you know, 6 0 right now. And when he's played, they're getting a lot out of You know what I yes, mean? If it, for sure. If it was the type of situation where like when he's playing, there's like limits on how many minutes he can play or it looks like he's maybe coasting out there and isn't like invested. I think then it would be a problem if you're seeing that on the court and then they're giving him these off days. I could see that becoming a problem internally, but I think the players around him can see like what he's giving um, when he's on the court. And then also just like even off the court, like a perfect example is um, 
I think it was after it wasn't after the Boston game. I think it was after the Charlotte game. Yeah. Um, so there's been a couple games where Kawhi didn't speak uh, to the media afterwards just because like no one wanted to wait around for him. But one of those games, um, Blake Murphy of all people, yeah, uh, I believe asked um, the Raptors media relations woman, uh, you know, if Kawhi was going to be available, and she said that she was pretty sure he was upstairs lifting at the mm. time. Okay. So. Um, <laughs> Shout out know, Michael Kleinman for yeah. no reason. <laughs> uh, so, like, that, that's a perfect example of what I'm saying, right? Like, if the players, if his teammates see that, uh-huh. what he's giving to them on the court on both ends in the 30, 35 minutes. I think he's, like, top 15 in minutes per game right now. Yeah, 35 you know, minutes a They game. see what he's doing on the court when he's out there. Mm-hmm. They see, like, the, the example he's setting like that. Like, he has a big game against Charlotte, Raps win, could easily just, you know, do his media thing go home. And instead, he's apparently, like, lifting weights upstairs after the game. I think all that kind of ties into the fact that... I, no one can be judging him right now for sitting out two of the first seven games. Yeah, for sure. I, I honestly like it's. There's no issue with it. It's just be great if the Raptors could be more open about it. But uh, I mean, it is what it is. We'll see how they perform against Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee doesn't have Giannis because he basically blacked out uh, in their last game against Orlando. Not a good so, look for the Bucks. No, because he came back to play in the same game. You know. Giannis, baby, you got to take care of your health. Listen, when 2021 comes and you make your free agency decision, you have to think about your health and look at the Raptors and how they're thinking about Kawhi Leonard's health, you know? Think about your health and also <laughs> who's got the better collection of Greek restaurants. Yeah, that's true. When you're thinking that's about true. free agency, Giannis. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, moving on to more topics that are uh, not necessarily about Kawhi and rest because I just feel like it's kind of a whatever. Like they want to rest him, they want to rest him. It's not a big deal. Um, one guy that's really caught our eye this year, Serge Ibaka, Mafuzi man, how hungry are you? Um, he's been hungry. He's been hungry all year. He's, uh, I feel like his numbers actually aren't that much better when you just look at sort of, uh, you just compare like raw stats, but it's just his impact on the game is undeniably more. There's a lot of games last year where he would fade. He's playing power forward. He's taking a lot of jumpers. He just wasn't that noticeable this year. Very noticeable. I feel like he's involved in a lot more plays. He's not shooting as many threes. He's actually only hitting 15% on the year. But he's shooting 50% from the field. He's averaging 15 points a game. His rebounds are up. His offensive rebounds are up. And he's blocking more shots. Um, What have you seen from Serge? He looks like a center. Yeah. Honestly. Um, And I know it's kind of weird to, in 2018, given the way the game is going, it's weird to be, like, praising a big man who's almost gone, like, the opposite way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, usually in this day and age, we're, like, praising a guy, like, I don't know, like, Brooke Lopez, for example, yeah, for yeah. moving outside the three-point line and, like, finding a way to help teams in the last couple of years that way. If the Baca's kind of the opposite. Yeah. It's like that that evolution took away from what he was best at. Mm-hmm. And moving him back to the five as a full-time uh, center and ensuring that him and JV literally never share the court together yeah. clearly looks like the right decision early on. Uh, for Nick Nurse because Ibaka looks like a solid defensive-minded center again. Seriously, like he, yeah. uh, and then on the offensive end, he's, his offensive rebound rate I think is like top fifteen, top twenty in the league right now. Yep. Um, Jacob Goldstein, who um, comes up with and shares a lot of really cool advanced metrics, and I know they're not at all like the be all end all, but they're still a good window into some things. You know, he put out his uh, his first edition of like the points saved, mm-hmm. I think per hundred possessions at the rim. Yeah, I believe Ibaka was like top three or top five there so far. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like he's protecting the rim, he's rebounding the ball, 
he's moving pretty well. There's been a couple games where he looked a little shoddy moving defensively, yeah. but for the most part, I think he's moving well. He's communicating really well, if you watch. Yeah. Um, and offensively, I think he's giving them what they want right now. Like They don't need him shooting that many threes or even making that many threes, given the way the offense is flowing right now. So, for the most part, giving them what they want. Also, I'll plug this. Yep. Will already knows about this, but yep. for any, you know... I'm assuming anyone who's listening to a Raptors Republic podcast would probably be interested in the fact that we had Serge Ibaka in the score offices last week, and Mm -hmm. you'll see this interview and video coming out hopefully within the next few days, but within the next week probably for sure. Um, We'll link it. We'll we'll plug it for sure. And uh, basically we had Ibaka in. We talked about some like different things, like his foundation and playing from Masai Ujiri, like some cool things. Talked about Kawhi as well. But the the catch of the interview is uh, we turned the tables on him. And uh. asked Serge Ibaka how hungry he was, and <laughs> it was a priceless few minutes. So, yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you'll find interest in that video. It should be out shortly. Yeah, look, listen, I'm not going to spoil the surprise of what he ate, but uh, let me say it's closer to the lamb brains than anything else that he's made anyone else eat on the, on his own show because uh, – yeah, I mean, I, I probably would not have eaten that myself personally. But, uh, yeah, watch for that video for sure. Um, I think the one thing with Surge, too, is that um, I just think he's, like, really bought into his role, right? Like, no issues, no complaints whatsoever. We're talking about a guy that's, like, a very accomplished player in this league. Like, if you just go from basically his third season uh, onto the last one with the Raptors, he started 524 straight games over the wow. course of, like, you know, seven seasons, right? So this is a guy who is very accomplished and he's very proud. He's a very proud guy. But then he's just accepted the fact that he's come off the bench for half the time. JV started for half the time. Um, I really like that Nick Nurse has been sort of consistent in terms of just like, if I'm going to start with you in the game, then I'm going to finish with you in the game as well. Um, Because I think that's one way where, you know, uh, if you try to fudge around with that, I think that really does eat into their minutes. And like <clears throat> Sixers. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, also the Celtics. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, you look at Ibaka's uh, positional estimates right now, 100% at center, which is 100% accurate, according to basketball reference. Last year, for example, he was at 87% of the time he was at power forward, right? So um, I think it's just it's getting more production from the center spot. And also the Raptors as a whole, like, defensively. Um, they are allowing the lowest field goal percentage uh, to the opponent of any team in the league right now. They have a little bit of an issue with fouling, um, but for the most part, they force misses. And they don't necessarily grab those misses, but then they force more misses. And I think Ibaka's been key to that. JV's been really key to that. I think he's had a really nice um, season as well. I don't, do you see anything new from JV? Like, I don't think I see anything new. I think I just see, like, incremental improvements and things we had already started seeing last year. So I actually do think he's moving a little bit better defensively. His instincts at the rim are better defensively. His playmaking, like, he's seeing passes that two years ago he just wouldn't have seen. He's not just making the most obvious pass anymore. He can read a defense a little better from the post. Mm -hmm. But again, all those things, I think we started seeing glimpses last year. So I don't think any of this is, like, new or stunning. I think it's just a player incrementally improving as he should. Yeah, it's funny. His minutes are down again. Like, basically his minutes have been on decline since his second year when it was, like, clamored for that he needs more minutes. Every year after that, it was like, JB needs more minutes, JB needs more minutes. He's actually played fewer minutes in every single season since then. He's down to about 19.2 this season. But, like, he's he's just as effective as before. That's the crazy thing. Like, no matter how many minutes he plays, he's still going to give you 13 points and about nine rebounds. 
Um, and his assists are up, like you mentioned, man. I mean, it's a very subtle difference. Um, but if you look at per 100 possessions, it was 1.4 for basically his entire career, which is just like you exist on the floor and you pass the ball occasionally, but very, very rarely. Um, and then it jumped up to 2.3 last year, and now it's at 3.8. So um, it, it does really demonstrate that JV has, uh, you know, gotten that part of his game down. And also just like he's also the same guy where he's also started from his entire career. Now he's coming off the bench. No complaints there either, right? So um, I think most of that reflects well on Nick Nurse for managing the situation. Yeah, and I think just their big rotation of like uh, Serge and JV, like platooning as centers and, and Siakam as – um, the starting power forward and the guy who logs the most minutes at power forward. I think that's a really nice bigs trio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got like guys like OG and Kawhi who could play some small ball four. I just think it's like a really good mix right now. And like, look at Greg Monroe for example. Who don't get yeah. me wrong, it, it, he's a little out of place in the modern NBA, but he can still like he still has a tangible NBA skill. The guy can like fill the bucket from the post. He knows how to score inside, and he cannot get any playing time right now, which just goes to show you how well like the three-man bigs rotation is working for Nick Nurse right now. Yeah, it's funny. You look at teams like, I don't know, the Washington Wizards, for example, who uh, you know pay, I think, about $17 million a year to Yama Himni and $6 million a year to Jason Smith. And I'm like, man, Greg Monroe would be starting for them right now. Literally. <laughs> yeah, right? And so, um, yeah, the Raptors are... are, are they're in a good spot. They really are in a good spot. Uh, a bit of injuries right now to the wing, but they haven't really noticed that either because, again, they have so much depth that they've been able to come through. Lorenzo Brown coming through with a surprising fourth-quarter performance, uh, you know, against Dallas. I mean, you're at a lot of these games too. Like, uh, what's been, like, the the mood in the locker room sort of – and has it sort of changed from, like, preseason onto now? I don't think so. Like, I mean, it, it, maybe you can tell a little bit like confidence is growing, but I yeah. think there's honestly a sense like this team knew they were good. Okay. They, I think they because they just they, don't say it. You know what no, I mean? Like, I think, you know, like the the, guy, yeah. the teams that say they're good, like Washington again, right. for example, like they'll just like be outward with it and they'll sort of carry themselves with confidence, whether or not they actually deliver on that. Washington, you know, they don't. But I mean, they'll say it. Even Boston said it. But yeah. no one in Toronto said, "Hey, we're going to the finals this year." No, I think it's like an understated, quiet kind of confidence. Like that's the vibe okay. I get from the locker room. Like the, the quiet w- effect. Yeah, honestly, I, th- yeah. I think I think that plays a part in it. I think there's like a very and even the Lowry effect. You know, like for as loud as Lowry is on the court, mm-hmm. um, and as much of a bulldog as he is on the court, off the court, forget about like the whole prickly personality with the media. But he's very much a kind of like show me guy, right? Like, yeah, he's not. He's not necessarily going to get like two rah rah over a six and zero start because he's very much like man, like we'll show you what who we are over the course of eighty two games in the playoffs. Like they're they're just a very like even keel and um, yeah, it was like that during the Dwayne Casey years too, and yeah. it seems to be continuing under Nick Nurse where they just go about their business and they know they're good and they're not really concerned with needing to beat their chest over it. From the outside, it looks like Larry's happier too on a day to day basis. Look, I, this, I was saying this from the beginning, man. The guy, okay, the guy was probably upset that they traded his best friend. understandably emotionally i think he was like you know damn like they were legitimately best friends like they yeah i'm not saying this in like a joking way like they love each other yeah as men like as friends they formed a brotherhood that'll never um be erased so like of course the guy was probably upset that that trade went down but lowry's also a basketball genius like i'm on record as saying like okay lebron's in a class of his own but yeah post like take LeBron out of the equation and I put like Lowry, Chris Paul and Draymond Green as like the three guys that I think are the smartest basketball players in the league. Um, He's a basketball genius. I think Kyle Lowry knew that this was a good deal for the Toronto Raptors and I think he knows 
when he's out there playing that like this team is better than any team he's ever played on. So yeah, I think he's happy with where things are right now. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, people are still upset that like they'll like occasionally see like uh, the camera pan over and Kyle Lowry sitting by himself on the bench. It's like, bro, have you not watched the Raptors? This is what he's done in previous years too. Yeah. That's when when Demar was here too. He would sit at the end of the bench. Yeah. Like, also, what do you think is on, like man. the best? two weeks of his career yeah which is saying something because this guy's had a great career yeah, already yeah, but yeah. like the best two weeks of his career what do you think it is like an angry protest like that exactly, he doesn't want to yeah. be here like no the guy's happy here and he's playing his ass off yeah for sure um and yeah let's let's show kyle some more love because right now he leads the nba in assists per game at uh, 10.3 per contest um Yo, he's got an effective so good shooting right now, percentage, an effective field goal percentage over 60, and a yeah. true shooting percentage over 70. He's shooting like 58% from three <laughs> on six attempts a game, man. Yeah, his efficiency is right up there with like DeAndre Jordan, uh, and just like who basically just dunks the ball. Yeah. Um, I think what's really interesting is that Kyle's usage um, is, is in terms of his usage percentage, which is just how many possessions that he actually ends up finishing by committing a turnover or shooting free throws or shooting like a shot, is actually at the lowest point during any of his uh, six seasons with the Raptors, six or seven. Um, yeah, it's at 19.9 right now. And this is the, the strange thing is I think Kyle actually has more of the ball, but he's just done such a good job of passing to others that he hasn't had to call his own number. And then, like you mentioned, man, when he does call his own number, I mean, this man is not missing, like, at all. Like, he, he's shooting so well from the field. Uh, 57% for a guy who, you know, is barely six feet. He's shooting 53% for three. Um, I mean, it, it's been really impressive watching Kyle. Yeah, and I think... So one thing we mentioned on the pound, there's another plug, the pound yeah. rock podcast. Oh, we plug it all the time. One, one thing we mentioned on the last one, I think you had mentioned it actually, is that like um, his efficiency has gone up and stuff, and it seems like he's got more control of the offense, but that he, his touches are basically like stayed the same. It's not like he's getting way more touches. He's actually down about two per game from last year. Yeah. But one thing I found when then I went back and looked at it is that his like his um, seconds per touch mm-hmm. and his dribbles per touch are way up. They're up like twenty to twenty five percent over okay. last year. So, basically, it's just showing what Nick Nurse said uh, he was going to do in the beginning of the preseason, which he was going to, like, put the ball on Kyle's stomach and let him run the offense a little more after they dialed it back last year. And I think it's working wonders. And again, it's not necessarily always resulting in Kyle shooting the ball, mm-hmm. but you're seeing it with his assist numbers. He, he's holding on to the ball a little longer, um, and maybe he's making more of the decisions for the team. I just think that's a good thing. DeMar, yeah. DeMar turned himself into a good playmaker, but he at did. the end of the day, when you talk about, like, getting the most high percentage possession yeah. from your team, you want the ball in Kyle Lowry's hands as opposed to DeMar DeRozan's. He's going to make at least a slightly better decision. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've seen over the last couple of years, like the Raptors' offense has improved when DeMar's had more of the ball and Kyle's played off the ball. But that's also sort of an omission that DeMar's not really a great of a shooter as Kyle is, and it's a way better way to use his... Um, just use Kyle Lowry. But, I mean, like right now, there's not a lot of other ball handlers in the starting lineup. Like you have Pascal who can handle a little bit, but... He's more like a – it's great to have him push the break, not for him to run the offense in the half court. And then you have Danny Green a little bit who I just – I don't really trust Danny Green dribble in the basketball. He just – it's it's good that he doesn't try to do too much. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, Kyle's had to play on the ball more. And I think that uh, the dribbles and stuff like that and him taking uh, more time per touch is probably just him going to the basket more. Like I feel like this year Kyle's really getting into the paint and then dishing it back out. Uh, and I think it helps for him to do that because there's more shooters around him to free up the space. Like – Aside from either it's JV or Ibaka in the paint rolling to the basket, like, you know, Larry can get basically to every part on the floor he wants to because, you know, there are shooters around him. And I think 
his playmaking this year in the pick and roll has just been like superb. Like just uh, in that in that Dallas game, just a couple possessions where he would just like wisely slow his dribble and then wait for the big man to come in and he would dump it off and then we'll finish. Like, I mean, Kyle's just he's playing an amazing level right now, man. Yeah, honestly, like you know the the I made the joke on Twitter, but like my only issue with fans chanting MVP yeah. for Kawhi like six games into the season is that it's disrespectful to Kyle Lowry. Because <laughs> it really is. Kyle's as, been the MVP. Because as great as Kawhi's yeah. been, Kyle Lowry's actually been the best Raptor through the yeah. first six games. And like short of Steph Curry and maybe Giannis, Jokic, like that, yeah. maybe throw Brett. Like short of those guys, Kyle Lowry's been among the best, if not the best player. Um non-Curry in the NBA like so far. He's been that good, literally. Wow. The Raptors traded for Kawhi Leonard and we Kyle Lowry's still the best player on the team. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think Kyle's numbers will come down eventually. I think, uh, you know, it's just kind of unsustainable for him to shoot 57% all <laughs> year. But, if, man. If he actually shoots whatever, like 60, 60, 80, and the yeah. Raptors go 82, now yeah, he'll win MVP. So, yes, his numbers are going to come down. Yeah, it's it's great. <laughs> I mean, Jose Calderon, I feel like, posted numbers similar to that before. But that was Jose Calderon, and that was a, a much different team. Um Right now, I think the only concern I have with the Raptors are a little bit with the injuries. Like, you know, DeLon's sort of been in and out of the lineup. He's only played like five minutes all season with that adductor strain. Um, And then you got Fred with his sore toe and then Kawhi, you know, whatever. But like, you know, still, it seems like he's they're going to ease him into the season. Um, Are you I think the biggest toll it's had is on the bench. Like, so are you concerned about the bench beyond um, just injuries? No, I mean, uh, my concern is that the, the what you mentioned, the toll the injuries are taking on the, on the bench and the depth, right? But, like, this is why you have depth. Mm-hmm. Um, because most teams, even good ones, if a guy like Fred or DeLon or OG has to miss a game, like, that's a big problem, right? Whereas with the Raptors, don't get me wrong, it's a problem, but it's like they're missing, what, they're like 6th, 8th, and ninth. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, Again, it, it does take a toll on the bench, but this is why you build the team the way Masai's built it. This is why you have depth to to cover for these kinds of shortfalls. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think some of the issues with the bench, like in terms of continuity, like I think that was – it was bound to be dashed. Like once they said that like the starting lineups are a little more fluid, we're going to see OG in there sometimes, we're going to see – uh, Pascal in there sometimes like you know like that's just going to disrupt the rhythm and I also think that Pirtle losing him like it just um, he was just such a good active screen setter and then finisher on the basket and also defensively how much he was able to cover for he, he led the Raptors in blocks last year um, like that just changed the dynamic of how they play I also think one thing that um, concerns me a little bit is just that uh, I think when JV's with the bench it actually is okay because JV can kind of carry the scoring more of a score. But then on those nights where JV's starting, like against the Mavericks, and you got Surge coming off the bench, that's when you have more of an issue because you don't have a single offensive fulcrum um, to angle your team around. And I think Nick Nurse has done something this year where it's different from last year where, you know, Dwayne Casey would stagger his two stars. You know, Larry would play for the first six minutes and DeRozan would play the full first quarter and then Larry played more of the second quarter just to, like, you know, um, give the bench some – some stability, right? I mean, last year they played the bench mob, but they still staggered the minutes. This year, it feels like Nick Nurse is not staggering the minutes whatsoever. He's just going with the best guys. They're going to play 10 minutes in the first and third quarter and a little bit in the fourth quarter. And then the bench is sort of just supposed to be in there and just hold the lead. And, like, they haven't really been able to hold the lead because they don't have stability in the lineup. Yeah, I, honestly, more than stability, my um, the thing I've noticed is that 
there's not a lot of playmaking in the mm. second unit, and I okay. think that's just tied to the injuries, right? Like yeah. one of Fred or DeLon has missed every single game. Yeah. Um, and I think last year a big strength of that bench was how much playmaking they had between basically two natural point guards. Yeah. Um, and Pascal, who was developing as a playmaker. Now Pascal's in the starting lineup, and one of Fred or DeLon has been solo running a bench unit, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, there just hasn't been that much playmaking. Friday night it was – Lorenzo Brown, who had a nice fourth quarter, but still, like I think most people would agree, it was a it was terrible for the first first three, three quarters. And yeah. if like if you're relying on Lorenzo Brown most nights, yeah. that's a problem. Yeah. So again, I just think so much of this will be remedied, hopefully by health eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think once they get both Fred and Delon on the court at the same time, I think that bench will start to look a lot more like what it did last year. Um, one guy I'm a little bit disappointed with. I mean, not CJ Miles. CJ Miles took the GoDaddy money, so he's done. <laughs> It is what it is. It's, it's unfortunate. But I also predicted before the season that CJ will get traded. And right now he's playing like he wants to get traded. Well, I think Danny just took so much of if That's the thing, right? right? Like Danny's Danny, just way better than CJ. Like, it's, it Danny, sucks, but it, and look, it man, is what C, it is. Like, I love CJ. Like, CJ is great. Yeah. He is, in terms of, like, talking to him as a media guy, great the dude. best. Great takes dude. His t- like, you want nothing for the best for the yeah. guy. Because he really, like, the effort's there. I see sure. even, like, pregame. Like, guys talk about going through practices and like yeah. shooting like drills and stuff at game speed and everyone says it but CJ's one of the only guys in the entire league I've seen that actually does his prep at game speed yeah and like works and stuff into it. so it's like you want the best for him but it's hard to find minutes on this team when like Danny Green especially yeah shoots as well if not better than he does and that's his specialty yeah defends a hundred times better like it's rebounds not close. <laughs> like you know what I mean yeah. so where where are the minutes for this guy as the season goes on yeah um, and I just always assume that he's just a shooter, so he's going to find time. But his shot has been off. But I think the shot will come back eventually. Like, he is a good shooter. I think he is making some open shots. Um, the guy I'm more disappointed with is Norm. I mean, I, it feels like it's almost impossible to be disappointed with Norm just because he's sort of been overall so disappointing that it's hard to expect anything from him. But, man, the fact that he's had so many opportunities this season due to injury to come up and, like, do something – he hasn't done anything. At best, he's, like, not hurting you. And at worst, he's just, like, what are you doing out there, right? And, and I, um, throughout the offseason, they sort of talked about how Norm has played more with the second unit. He went to those UCLA runs. He didn't work out by himself. You know, he wanted to get more of a flow, more of a rhythm. He talked about why he was struggling. And then he comes in and he just kind of does the same thing. He doesn't, still doesn't quite get it, you know? Yeah, it's pretty discouraging. It's like... I remember, too, I used to joke about it on Twitter that, like, Norm was undefeated getting to the rim. His, like, first couple of years when yeah. he was, like, breaking out, it's like, this guy literally, he got to the rim at will. He's undersized for his position, but he got to the rim at will. And I was always, like, mind-blown by it. And now, I don't know if because he was able to do that the first couple of years of his career, like, everything else stunted. Yeah. Now he's not getting to the rim at will because it seems like people have figured him out that he's got this tunnel vision. He does uh, have tunnel vision. And, he, it, it, like, no other parts of his game have improved. Like, his shooting is not good right now mm-hmm. um he's not like making the right plays like yeah he's just got this tunnel vision and he tried there's a couple times on friday where like he very clearly was not going to get around deandre jordan at the rim he's like he wasn't going to cram it over him and he was still yeah. trying to force kind of junk around the rim that like deandre just wasn't having he's you're just going to be smarter and yeah he he was kind of given a golden opportunity here with the injuries they've had and he has not capitalized on it yeah i mean we'll see tonight i think he's probably going to be filling for a lot of minutes with OG and uh, Kawhi out. So maybe, look, maybe it will sound stupid after this game. But, I mean, so far he just hasn't shown that much. Um, and then the last thing I really wanted to touch on was about Nick Nurse, who um, has done, I think, a lot of positive. I think he's done a lot of positive. It's not really about what he's doing differently from Dwayne so much as he's sort of just what he's actually doing. And I think this year 
between his sort of playmaking out of timeouts, I think those have been really impressive. But also, I just think that like he's given a lot of very insightful answers, and um, because he's so so willing to speak his mind and so willing to discuss basketball, you're able to like really understand what this team is doing at all times and why they're doing it. And I think just maybe just just from a journalistic perspective, it kind of just helps to cover the team because he will tell you exactly what he wants to do and what he is meaning to do with his decisions yeah even from like a starting lineup standpoint i don't think it's been all six games but at least the games i've been in, been i think other than the season opener he's basically told us who starters were going to be pretty early mm-hmm. and he doesn't seem that concerned about it where and casey's not the only one a lot of coaches are very coy about it and like mm-hmm. i think nick's just like more of a modern realist in the sense of like like what if i tell you the starting lineup yeah what, is the other team really just going to change their, like is everything going to be different because the other team has figured something out that like yeah you know what i mean well and it's a regular season half hour of preparation like it doesn't matter and i think i think that's that's what i really like and admire about nick nurse is that he he kind of sees it as like look like i'm good at my job and i prepare my team well and they know what to do and how we're gonna do it and and like you know everything is set and structured so i'm not concerned that yeah. me revealing my starting lineups or telling you how I'm doing this is going to like... Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone.